0: Life Happens with Penelo Modine
1: All right, so my guest this afternoon is Dr. Christopher Rhythm, And uh, uh, Dr. Christopher is a lecturer at Wits University at the Department of Translation Studies and specializing in Roman languages and did a PhD on Italian colonial culture. And as as we do on this particular feature, we sit back, we put up our feet and we really listen very, very carefully. And today we're discussing the origins of Italian, South Africans, how they got here, what brought them here, the entire genealogy and their journey. Um, Professor Fotherham, Fotheringham, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope I've got it right this time.
2: Well, you said for the rhythm, so that was cool. I don't <laughs> mind that.
1: <laughs> how am I supposed to say it? Fathering
2: Fotheringham,
1: Fotheringham. Fotheringham. Well, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being with us this afternoon.
2: It's a pleasure.
1: So, can we start at the very beginning, the the genetic makeup of Italians?
2: Okay, I think I'd like to start maybe by addressing just how this can fit in with the series on knowledge systems. Yes. So, Italy is a very good place to start in understanding the development of European systems of thought. Uh, which in turn have come to influence, uh, some might say dominate, the entire world. And this is because no other country in Europe has so profoundly shaped European history and culture than Italy. So between the Roman Empire, the Renaissance, Catholicism, and even the unfortunate period of fascism, Italy has always been at the center or very close to the center of European history for upwards of 3,000 years now. So, Italy's artistic and cultural heritage is immense. It's a tiny country, but crowned into it are 55 UNESCO World Heritage Sites. This is matched only by China, a country 32 times bigger than Italy. And according to UNESCO, Italy has 50% of all the world's art. Wow. Yeah. But what I'd like to emphasize in this talk is, that the historical Italian flair for invention and innovation has always been complemented by the uh, pre-adoption of ideas from other cultures.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And um, the most important examples are that the magnificent achievements of the Greeks were adopted wholesale by the Romans, and they formed a composite culture which we call Greco-Roman civilization. And the ideas and values and aesthetics and systems... Of this civilization was spread through Europe by the Empire and became templates of Western civilization. Even today if you go to Washington DC, which is the capital of the most powerful Empire today, all the buildings, the state buildings, the monuments, are built in the neoclassical style mm. in an attempt to echo the majesty and might of Rome. Even the main building at Witz mm. is in the shape mm. of, a, of a Roman temple. So the influence of Italy on the world is quite immense. Um, Then I think it's also important to briefly interrogate what an Italian is
4: and what Italy is. Mm.
2: So, like most European identities or nationalities, the Italians, Italy and Italianness are partly a fiction or a construct but also partly a deeply felt and undeniable sense of common identity, which has been forged by these 3,000 years of sharing life on the Italian peninsula and on the islands of Sicily and Sardinia. So a clear definition of who is Italian could be someone considered to be such by the laws of the Italian state, um, And these citizenship laws and their consequences have become a source of real problems in recent years, given the immigration and Mm. settlement of people from Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Mm -hmm. So this has complicated the question of who is Italian.
3: Mm.
2: And also there are Italian speakers in Canton, Ticino, in Switzerland. Are they Italian? Are they Swiss? While the Corsicans, who are part of France, their linguistic and genetic makeup is far closer to Italian. So these are the accidents of histories, and the borders of the world are more often than not arbitrary. Mm. And this is this might be interesting to your readers, that Italy, despite its massive antiquity, these 3,000 years that we've mentioned, is actually a relatively new country. Yes. It's only 160 years old as a state. Um, it was unified and constituted in 1860. Completed in 1870. So, Italy is actually one of the youngest countries in Europe. Okay.
1: Well, okay. Um, I mean, that, that's that's such a nice foundation for, for where we're yeah. going, yeah.
2: Okay. So, the genetic makeup of, of Italy is quite interesting now. Um, and it requires us to take cognizance of the very important fact that Italy is a long thin peninsula and two large islands in the middle of the Mediterranean. So if you drive from the northernmost city of borsano right in the Alps, to the southernmost city on the tip of the Italian boot, which is called Reggio Calabria, it would take you 13 or 14 hours by car. It's the same as Joburg to Cape Town. Cape Town.
3: Hmm.
2: But yet, 90% of in ninety percent of Italy, you are always one hundred and fifty kilometers from the sea. so this long coastline, this, 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 this and the position of Italy right in the middle of the Mediterranean, has always been um, a, a constituting factor of, of the shape of the country in terms of genetics and culture. <laughs> so it's a crossroads of Europe. If you're in Milan, you're actually closer to Ber- Berlin than Palermo. And from the southernmost islands of Lampedusa and Pantelleria, you can actually see the coast of North Africa. So that should give a real sense of how geography has played into the history of Italy. Hmm. Okay. The studies have shown that Italians are among the most genetically diverse people in Europe. But despite this, the bulk of the Italian genetic makeup is rather consistent. There are three main genetic areas which make up the country. These are the southern group, a central group, and a northern group. And interestingly, this corresponds closely to the main divisions existing among the Italian dialects.
4: So you have
2: northern dialects, central dialects, and southern dialects. And this means that people from Sicily and Naples will find it easier to, to talk to each other in their dialects but they won't understand someone speaking in a northern dialect like Lombard or Venetian. Um, you'll also see the physical appearance changing from, from the south to the north. Right up in the north, you'll find lighter skinned people, blonde hair, blue eyes, those things that are not typically imagined to be the Italian look.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So genetically, the Italians are partly the descendants of what we call the old Europeans. So these were the people who dominated Europe first, before the speakers of Indo-European languages arrived on the scene. The whole Stone Age and Neolithic was um, happened with the old Europeans. The Etruscans, a civilization that dominated the central part of the Italian peninsula, was, uh, centered around what is today Tuscany, and the mm-hmm. Resians, who spoke a similar language to Etruscans. Etruscans, they might have belonged to this European, old European stock, but it's difficult to say for sure. But then, starting in 4000 BC, another group of people began spreading out of an area which is now in Russia, north of the Caucasus Mountains. These people have been called the Yamana culture, and they spoke a language which we call Proto-Indo-European. So they rode horses and used chariots, which were like super weapons of the time, weapons of mass destruction. And they spread throughout Europe, Persia, and northern India, gradually over a few thousand years. And the descendants of the language that they spoke survive as the largest family in the world. These include Germanic languages, which includes the language we're speaking now, English, Celtic languages, Romance languages, all of which derive from Latin and that includes Italian, Greek, Persian, Sanskrit, and all its daughter languages in India like Hindi, Marathi, Bengali, Punjabi, etc. So this enormous language family is the result of these migrations, which also were impacted on um, the Italian genetic makeup.
1: Let's take a quick pause, um, Dr. Faringham, and uh, let's uh, ask people to also call in with their questions if they, they have any. And this is a fascinating look into the indigenous knowledge systems of the Italian. And we are moving forward with this. Uh, how they got to South Africa is more fascinating than what we've heard so far. 891 104 or you can send your voice notes on 0614-104-107.
0: Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation.
1: Dr. Christopher Fotheringham is our guest. He's a lecturer at WITS at the Department of Translation Studies and specializing in Roman languages. Uh, Did PhD on Italian colonial culture. And uh, this is our indigenous knowledge systems feature. And we're looking into the genetic makeup, the origins of the Italian. I I love how, uh, Dr. Fotheringham, you were saying that the the idea of of it being an Italian is also quite, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's made out of fiction because it's so much of it is just about, I suppose, for now, geography, but has become so contaminated by politics as well with migrations of people. So in the recent times where we have now this problem of migration, how have they resolved to sort out the nationality of Italians?
2: Okay, um, so Italian migration, people started to migrate to Italy towards, in the 70s, from the Italian colonies of Somalia, Ethiopia, Eritrea. Those were the first um, waves of immigra- immigration from Africa into Italy, and um you know, these people naturally had a link to Italy because they had been under the Italian colonial system um, for, in Eritrea's case, for as long as 70 years. And uh, following the the war, Italy was stripped of its of its colonies, and um, people began, and later people began to move from those countries. But mass migration of Africans, in particular, started picking up in the 90s, and now we have um, a growing population of what you can call new Italians. And this issue of whether Italianness is an ethnicity or a culture, this has come to to to, to not dominate politics, but certainly is a feature in, um, mm-hmm. in, in modern politics of Italy. Now, unfortunately, at the moment, there are, you know, very right-wing elements in the Italian government who are very anti-immigration, and there have been all these terrible incidents of um, ships, people smugglers, and I mentioned how... You know, the south of Italy is so close to the coast of Africa, so yes. it's, a, it's a, a target destination for these people smugglers who take desperate people from from Africa in Libya, and they they promise them that they'll send them to to Europe. Yes. So they end up on these on these um, flimsy ships, and, and we have these problems of drownings and what have you. Mm-hmm. So the migrant crisis, as they call it in Europe, has. In Italy, very much on the front line, and then there's been a serious um, questioning of what it means to be Italian. Mm. So I, I, I spoke very briefly about the citizenship laws, yes. and those are interesting because, unlike South Africa, where if you're born in South Africa, you are Italian. Mm. I mean, South African. Yes, and that's called use solely the the the. the the law of the soil, mm-hmm. the law of the ground. Mm-hmm. Italy has use sanguine, the law of the blood. Mm. So that means that being born on Italian soil does not guarantee Italian citizenship. So we have children of these migrants who are not citizens of the country where they're born, the country which is the only country they know, And they have one year when they turn 18 to um, declare their wish to become citizens of Italy. And you know, you just end up with a lot of situations in which people who are, you know, black and brown from different parts of the world, the only country they've ever known is Italy, but they they feel um, excluded from the citizenship. You've had a lot of racist incidents, um, including the abuse. Verbal abuse of soccer players, the verbal abuse of the first um, black uh, Italian parliamentarian, and then on the other hand, you have people maybe born in South Africa who, you know, just by virtue of the fact that they had an Italian grandparent, are considered Italian citizens with full rights. So you have this 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 problem of what it means to be Italian. Is it a culture that mm. you learn from? living on that soil, from speaking that language, from um, attending that school, or is it, um, you know, a, bl- a
4: blood thing?
2: And I think I've shown, and I was planning to show more, how this peninsula has absorbed people from all over. Yes. And um, the idea of an Italian nationality is actually a very new thing, um, Italy only became a country in 1860, 1870, and since then they've been trying to build a national identity. So when Italy was unified, um, a statesman called Massimo D'Azeglio he said, "We have made Italy. Now we must make Italians." So it was well recognized that you know Italianness had to be constructed; that symbols and ideas and values had to be Created for the Italian um, nation, a good example of the, you know, the, the very real fact that Italy is a fragmented um, nation. There's lots of different identities. Is that when when the country was unified, very few people spoke what we call Italian as a first language. Mm. So the Italian language is actually based on a specific dialect of Italian which is centered around Florence, the Tuscan dialect. Mm -hmm. Why this happened is because um, the first great writers um, who, who moved away from writing in Latin to writing in the language they spoke were all centered around Florence. You have... Petrarch and Dante and Boccaccio Mm -hmm. and these great writers, you know, they brought the the literary tradition of the Romans back but they decided to use the Italian language and valorize rather the Florentine language. And this language then became what we call Italian and it was developed over time and then when the country was unified it was um, made the official language. But up until the 50s, you know, only 50% of the people spoke it as a first language. Mm-hmm. Um, so what has also helped to, let's say, create a unified Italy has been television. It's mm-hmm. an enormous factor because television, you know, streamed this this standard Italian into the homes of, 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 of everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a very... Divided country, because it's so long and thin, if, as I said. If you're in the north, you're in the mountains, people people are even speaking German in certain parts of the country. You're eating Spatzel and Knödelich and German things like that, and most of your food is fried in butter as opposed to olive oil. As you move south, you get more and more the Mediterranean ideal, you know, blue waters and olive oil and tomatoes and all that sort of typical ideas that you might have of Italy are the Mediterranean face of Italy. So it's a very diverse country. To this day, people use their own dialects predominantly at home. They only use Italian in formal settings at school, at university, etc. The food is different and, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea that every town, every town is its own little um, of sorts. country or entity in a sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of distrust even to this day coming from when Italy was very fractured.
1: Dr. Fotheringham, let's just take a quick break as we go to Utsi Lesaku for the latest in headlines at 1.30. <laughs>
3: Life Happens
0: with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation.
1: Thank you so much for staying with us. Dr. Christopher Fotheringham is a lecturer at WITS and we are discussing the indigenous knowledge systems of Italians, where they come from, how they became to be, and eventually how they got to South Africa. So do stay tuned. And I know that many of you are sending in those voice notes. I'm going to go to uh, to them in a, sh- in a second. But you can also call us on 0891-104-207. Uh, uh, Prof. uh, Dr. um, Fotheringham, let's just take a a quick uh, two or three of the voice notes. They have some questions for you before we, we continue with our story.
0: Good afternoon, Mrs. Pomelo and to the listeners of SAFM. I just want to ask your guest there about the history of the moors that traveled to Italy uh, during the time of Mansa Musa. Uh, uh, can you confirm such kind of history uh, that it really
5: did occur? Okay? Thank you. Hi, good day. Uh, my name is Zaid, and I wanted to find, a, first of all, a very interesting show.
2: I'm very captivated by the history of Italy. I want to find out in any way, um, was there any influence or impact from the Italians in the Arab Peninsula?
4: Because when I look at some of the features of the Arabs and some of the features of the Italians, you know, it looks
3: very much uh, similar. So maybe if uh, if the professor could uh, elaborate on that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
4: to you, Pimelo, and your guest. Your guest is 100%, right? my mother tongue languages are cockney and marathi and my ancestral village is in the north of india it's a little village called ratnagiri it's close to the ocean as well thank you so much for all the inform- informative
1: oh that's beautiful uh, dr faringham uh, do you want to continue with that i mean would you want to comment on the mores of money
2: um okay so it's it's certainly not something I'm expert in, but um, the the two first questions about the Moors and Mansa Musa and the, the Arab connection, it's certainly very strong. Um, Sicily was um, owned by the Umayyad Caliphate. That was the North African Caliphate for I think close to 200 years, and they left um, as they did in Spain, but not to the same extent. They left influences. Um, the genetic influences um, as per my research are not huge um, but as I was talking, I think the caller said they, people in the south look more Arabic yes. okay. it's, um, that's a consequence I think more than of the, um, the occupation by the Umayyads it has to do with the fact that the southern Italian haplogroups those are the genetic markers mm-hmm. actually come from groups that are predominant in the Southern Balkans, in Greece, and in the Middle East. Um, really, this big, strong division between the Arab world and the um, European world, that's that's really a, something that happens after the birth of Islam, which more or less created an iron curtain between Christian Europe and the Islamic North Africa and Middle East, In Roman times, for example, the whole of of North Africa and Europe, Southern Europe, France, this was all part of one empire. Um, St. Augustus was Mm -hmm. born in North Africa, Mm -hmm. and he was a great theologian of of the Catholic religion. Um, Caracalla, one of the great emperors of Rome, was born in North Africa. So, you know, this, 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 this separation, when you look at people's faces in that region, they look they look similar. You don't know who's from where,
3: hmm.
2: um, you know, and that comes back into the discourse about the constructedness of ethnicity, of race. What, and
1: when we come, when we come back, I want us to start the conversation around the diaspora and and what happened when when most Italians decided to leave because of poverty, and and where did they go? That's a conversation we're going to pick up on after the spot break.
5: SFM
0: <laughs> Prime Time All Day Long
1: So we are going to pick up on the conversation but before we do that let's just quickly go to a voice note before we, we pick up on uh, on Dr. Foringham uh, for more details
2: Hello my name is William from Cape Town I just wanted to you know um why is there such a huge population of Italians
0: in Sao Paulo especially in Sao Paulo in Brazil and uh, the culture is very strong there some of the brazilian also uh of the brazilians also have passports
2: from italian passports and brazilian passports even their surnames they are actually italians but they're also brazilians can you give me a little bit light on that thank you
1: (laughs) that's that's exactly where our
2: conversation is going hey talk yeah Yeah. yes exactly okay so Starting in the 19th century, um, Italians began to leave en masse from Italy because it it was a a poor couple of centuries. um, and, And Italians of all stripes, but particularly rural peasants from the north, and some people from the northeast and northwest began to immigrate to specific destination countries that were the most popular. And these were, as your caller rightly suggests, Brazil. The southern corner of Brazil is highly... Um, populated with the descendants of Italians, and he mentioned the passports. That goes back to what I was saying about your So maybe these people don't even speak Italian anymore, but because of because uh, their grandparents and great grandparents kept considered the, Italian. their nationality, they remain Italian. Mm-hmm. So another very important destination was obviously the United States, um, and um, you know the the, 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 the the huge quantity of. Italian surnames and um, the, 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 you know, the famous Italian-American mafia. Um, these are all the result of mass immigration, particularly from Sicily and um, the southern parts of Italy to America. So America's fabric is extremely intertwined with these immigrants, one of the biggest immigrant groups to populate um, America. Argentina was another extremely popular destination. Um, The the, the Spanish spoken in Argentina is actually very inflected with Italianisms, um, unlike Spanish from other countries. And a majority of the people there will have some Italian ancestry. Regarding South Africa, our story is quite interesting because in addition to small... Among of Italians who started arriving before World War two um, along with these ones who went to Australia to America to New- to 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 uh, Argentina and the States, some came at that time, but most of the Italians who came to South Africa came after the war, and the first ones who came were former prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. Now, well, if you go to Cullinan, um, just, you know, near Pretoria, Cullinan, you'll find a, a monument, a site. It's a cemetery. It's called Bondalata. And here were interned um, Italian prisoners of war who were captured in um, the Ethiopian campaign. So I mentioned how Italy conquered Ethiopia during the war, under fascism. So when the British... Um, retook, um, East Africa from the Italians. A lot of these prisoners of war were sent to South Africa and they were interned at camps like Zondervata. That was the main one. If you go there today, there's a lot of interesting, an interesting museum and, um, it's just a very interesting place. But these Italian, um, prisoners of war, they ended up, you know, they, they 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 were skilled craftsmen, many of them, and if you go in jo, you'll find monroe drive mm. beautiful stone road, and that was built by these prisoners um, so,
1: is it also so were they also um, part of the people that were in some what would be would been be referred to as concentration camps right here in Rosettenville I think it's uh, one of the, the horsing 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 no, I, I,
2: no that was a that was a Boer War That um, was a Boer War thing so that was between the, uh, the Afrikaans and the English South Africans okay. no this this was after World War Two. Okay. so you know there's 60 million people living in, in Italy but there are up to 90, maybe 120, by large estimates, people outside of Italy who can be considered of full or partial ethnic um, Italian makeup. Um, In South Africa, there's around 60,000 at this point, but at the height there were 120,000. In Gerva, there was a whole district uh, along Louis Vuitton, which used to be called Little Italy, Mm -hmm. And it was a very strong center of the Italian community who came following the first um, prisoners of war who decided to stay. So um, predominantly
1: the, the first batch of Italians that arrived were themselves prisoners of war. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, well, let's say they, they, um, they did the reconnaissance mission. They saw that South Africa was a place that was um, that had economic opportunities, um, at least for white people in those days of apartheid. But and um, they came as, as as craftsmen, as factory workers, um, as, as as business people, and they escaped what was essentially a very very difficult time in in post-war Italy. The entire country had been destroyed. Um, uh, you know, it was a very, very um, violent theatre of war um, between the Allies and the Germans, and there were retributions, and it was a destroyed country after the war. So, in the 1950s, people were coming here. Hmm. Um, let's,
1: let's take a quick call from Anne, who's calling us from Johannesburg. Hi, Anne. Hello, Anne. Hello. Can mm-hmm. you hear me? Yes, loud okay. and clear. Go ahead.
3: Thank you. Um, it's a very interesting program, but I'd like to say um, that our ancestors came far earlier than the prisoners of war. Like They arrived in South Africa between 1901 and 1910, um, and they were the Reeses and the Lambertis, um, who now, there's a lot of them in the country as a result of that. And in fact, in the uh, the, some of the concentration, uh, not concentration prisoners of wars mm. worked on my aunt's farm, huh. and built a whole lot of things. So there's a much longer history. And where's of,
1: your aunt
3: farm? She was she was she was born here, but she was from Italian parents, yes. and they all came from a little village in southern Italy called Cavaterrini. Uh-huh. And there's quite a lot of people from that area, but it was much earlier than. Then the Second uh, the World War, war the all the 1950s stuff. Um, it was early in the first, at the beginning of the 20th century, and so they were business people. They became very well known business people. You have Ritzie Dale in uh, Johannesburg, named after some of them. Um, so the, the the heritage goes back a lot longer than uh, just the yes. business of war. Stay,
1: stay on the line, Anne. Um, do you want to respond to that talk?
3: um
2: no certainly that's very interesting um, um I- information I, d- I did i did say that they they started coming with the first waves of migration, but it was really after the war that the bulk of the community was 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 developed um, i you know i'm open for correction but i did once hear that the surname Viljoen, the african surname Viljoen, is actually an Italian-derived surname, Viglioni, and I'm not sure how that came about, but um, you know there were there were there, there's been Italian presence in Africa for for a very long time. There were even Roman explorers who penetrated the Sahara and reached the, the kingdoms of West Africa. Mm-hmm. A lot of the explorers um, of East Africa were were Italian. Um, there's there's been a long love hate relationship between Italy and Africa at times at times a fascination at times fear mm-hmm. so it's uh a, it's a, it, it's a long and interesting history as Anne said yes.
1: well, thank you for calling and thank you very very much
3: for that take thank you thank you and I think one last thing yes. before we go, yes. uh, which hasn't really been mentioned and that is if one has Italian blood. Mm-hmm. Food is of primary importance. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I love that. Thanks very much for Thank that. you. Yeah, thanks very Bye. much. Um, Mike, you're calling from KZN. Hi. Hello, Mike.
5: Hello. Good Hi. afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, that's Mike uh, reporting from Berkman-Burban's wrecked and polluted beachfront.
3: Yes.
5: Okay, let's go back to the last World War. A friend of mine's father... His name was Gino uh, uh, Bonanni,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and he he was just bundled up in Italy, put in a uniform, and sent to uh, Ethiopia, or well, where Ethiopia is today. Mm-hmm. And he got he was captured there and brought to Pigamarisburg. Mm-hmm. And there happens to be a lot of Italians buried in a place. I think they've got double fences around. They were really sick, full of disease. Mm-hmm. No one's allowed in, into that area. And uh, then Yummy Smuts, uh, who became the Prime Minister of South Africa, he, he, he needed a chef. And old Gino became his chef. And then after that, he came down to Port Shepson, and his son, Nero, was born there. And then he came to Durban, and he opened, uh, used to work as a ship in Durban. Well, thank Hello? you. We,
1: yes, we, we're listening, yeah. intrigued by that story. Thank you so much uh, for that yeah. mic there in KZN. So, thank you.
5: A, a lot of it the came in often. Durban.
1: Yes, we'll pick up okay. on that after the short break. Uh, doc, we just have to take a quick break and then we'll pick up on those who landed in UK in KZN.
0: You're listening to Pimelo Mutini on SAFM.
1: Dr. Christopher Fotheringham is my guest, he's from VITS, uh, from the Department on, of Translation Studies, and specializing in Roman languages. Did a PhD on Italian colonial culture. You, you wanted to add something before we went to the break, uh, doc? Um.
2: Did I? What was the last <laughs> it's, point? It's,
1: <laughs> we were speaking about Italians that landed up in. Uh, he says Peter Maritzburg in KZN.
2: No, I mean Italians ended up in the strangest places all over the world. So you'll find, you'll find thousands of interesting stories. This This isn't really my area. I didn't. I didn't yes. Really plan to speak about Italians in South Africa, but I have colleagues who've done very interesting, um, very interesting work in this area studying the Italian diaspora, its identity, its sense of place, what what's important. As Anna mentioned, food is up there, music is up there, um, history, culture, art. These are all things that the Italians all over the world will latch onto as um, elements of pride in where they come
4: from. Mm. Um, Let's
1: just take a quick uh, call from Z, who's been very patient with us. is calling from PE. Good afternoon, Z
4: good
1: Afternoon, quick so,
4: question. Yes. One, um, uh, my history. What I understand is that Ethiopia, out of fifty-four African countries, was the only one that was not colonized. Can you guess? Quick, correct me. There? Mm-hmm. Secondly, it, Italians are a very small community in South Africa, but their influence, Pamela, um, is really influential because. Almost every school in my hometown P has got an Italian credo. For example, the new High School called Best Bona, which is Good Hope, my school, Cowan, Nil Nisi Optimum, nothing but the best, and so on. Thirdly, the engineering of Italians, for example, um, is it because they've got special schools there? Um, I know. Worcester, in Worcester, Cape Town, mm-hmm. there's a tunnel built through the mountain, tunnel called Hugo Tunnel, built by Italians. I understand also in New Jersey, um, in 39 I was there, there's a tunnel primarily built under the Hudson River, right, built by the Italians. It's between New Jersey and New York.
1: Just before you were born, Pamela. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, Mzi, in P. Let's take a quick voice note before we come back to you, Doc.
4: Hi,
0: um, Pamela. Can you ask your guest, there? does he know of any contribution by Italian in the Place called Klamata, the former Transkai. It's, uh, mean, it's between Kofimbaba I mean, between and Also, another place called Ennocha. These places are known as uh, Transkai's basket of uh, food basket back in the days. And there's a water air, irrigation system that is known to be built by the Italians there, and still exist and strong today the people of Kamata are forever plowing more especially what we call and other things and they're also known of uh, being called uh, bridge builders.
1: I'll take a quick call from Errol before we come to you doc. Errol hi. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes loud and clear thanks for calling. Can you hear me? Yes I can go ahead.
4: Okay, Pinello, I know you like your music, but I just want to put another take on this. You know, Italians have produced the best opera singers and, mm. well, any other singers, mm. um, you know, like they put this down to the amount of oil that they drink uh, <laughs> with their meals. It still, sort of lubricates their fruits. <laughs> I mean, you've got great opera singers like Benjamin Ogilvy and Maria Lanza. Mm. And you've even got creeders like uh, Sinatra and Dean Martin, You came from Italy, mm. and uh, yeah, they, they produced the best opera singers and as I would say in, singers in general, Yeah, even Lady Gaga is known to be Italian.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that, Errol. So obviously we need to pick up on this um, cultural influence, food, music, and all, all the other things as well, but there were other questions, Doc, that came okay. through, do you want to respond to those?
2: Yeah, so the caller speaking about Ethiopia not being colonized yes. is, is half right. Um, so when, when the fascists came to power in Italy, one of their ambitions was to restore the Roman Empire, in a sense. And to do that, they set their sights on the only country in Africa that had not been colonized and was still independent and... Um, and it happened to fit between the other two colonies of Somalia and Eritrea. And in 1936, they invaded with um, planes. And, uh, you know, it was a brutal, brutal war. Um, one of the only, uh, the only colonial war where, where where poison gas was used in history. So a terrible war, but that was um, the ethic of fascism, fascism, to just destroy and take and be stronger, might is right. But Ethiopia remained under Italian control until 1943. Um, and linked to that, you know, even in that short period, despite all the atrocities, um, most of Ethiopia's road system was built in that time. So Italians have always been great engineers, um, and this started with the Roman Roman times. All the major r- routes in Europe are still based on the Roman road system. Um, and that leads to the tunnels and what have you and the irrigation systems here. This is because the northern part of Italy is so mountainous that tunnel building was you know, a specific skill. So with our mining industry, with our need to improve our, our infrastructure, a lot of these Italian um, craftsmen and artisans and engineers and and what have you came out to South Africa. Many of them stayed. And um, your, your your other listener said the impact of Italy um, culturally, and he and he mentioned the mottos of the schools.
3: Mm.
2: So those are not those are mottos that he mentioned. They're not Italian. They're actually Latin. Mm. But in a sense, Latin became Italian. And how did, why do we have them here in South Africa? Because the legacy of Rome, of the Roman Empire, was huge. It was the template for Western civilization. And Latin remained the, the language of learning, the language of the church, the language of science. Up until the 17th century, um, it was widely used. So mottos in Latin are you know, very common all over the world.
1: And I suppose it's too little time to contribute to, to food influences.
2: Do you want to well, touch on that, I suppose, for no, maybe for a sure. minute here? For sure. Italian food has become the mo- one of the most eaten forms of food in the world. It's the most popular form of food. The Mediterranean diet has been hailed as the healthiest one of the healthiest diets in the world. Italian products are all over the place. And a huge part of Italy's economy is actually the export of food products. So in any supermarket, you'll find various kinds of pasta, all kinds of olive oil, tomatoes. Um, You'll find um, sweets and and, and, uh, um, things like Nutella. These are all big Big exports of Italy, and this is based on the fact that the food is particularly popular all over the world um, it's a, it's it's a It's a relatively simple cuisine in the sense that very few ingredients are used and the 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 value of an Italian dish is the quality of the ingredients and the the the, the mastery of the technique that's required to produce these dishes. So, you know, and and Italians are particularly um, fastidious about following the recipes and between one village and the next, they'll argue about what's the correct <laughs> recipe. So it's very difficult to cook for an Italian, for example.
1: It's, it's been such a wonderful uh, discussion that you've just uh, had with us. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think we're going to have to pick up on this and, and develop a bit more on, on the food, on the voices that we spoke about, opera voices and so on. But uh, Dr. Christopher Fotheringham, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Thank you. It's really been insightful. He's a lecturer at WITS at the Department of Translation Studies and specializing in Roman languages. Also did his PhD on Italian colonial culture. It's two o'clock. Let's go to Utsi Lasako for the latest in SABC News.